wonder if you ever heard of uh, Willie Hutton. Willie Hutton. Does that name ring a bell? He's a famous guy, and he said something that, uh, that uh, just kind of rings obvious. But uh, in the 50s, he was a bank robber. I mean, this guy was known for his masterful disguises, always carried a gun, whether it be a pistol or one of those Tommy machine guns, you know, those Thompsons, little uh, barrel magazine of the old movies, black and white stuff. And during his 40-year career, this guy stole more than $2 million. You're like, dude, that's just in the, uh, the bank over there, you know? That doesn't seem like a lot, but in his day, it was a huge amount. He was on the FBI's newly created top 10 most wanted men in America. This guy was famous, you know, because of his, uh, he, he, and he, you know, he carried guns. He never even shot one. I mean, he never fired a gun at anybody in the robbery, so he kind of became a folk hero, you know? And uh, even when they did catch him, he escaped three times from jail. Crazy, this guy, you know? But, uh, but at the end of his career, he ultimately did end up in prison, spent, uh, um, I don't know, lots of years in prison. I forget how much it was. But a reporter got together to tell his story, and he asked him this question. He says, Willie, why do you rob banks? To which he simply responded, that's where the money is. <laughs> you know, that, that was it. Why did you rob banks? You know, was it a sad childhood? Did your dog bite you when you were a kid? Now that's where the money is. And that was his reason for robbing the banks. That's where the money is. What's your, respe- what's your reason for breaking the law? I mean, why do you do it? Why are you no bank robber? Come on, every one of us in here, you probably break the law on a regular basis. Don't even think about it. Kind of roll through that stop sign. Hey, there's nobody there anyway. You know that's illegal, right? Stop sign doesn't mean if you feel like it. And then there's that pesky speed limit sign. This should not be 35 on this road. By the way, teaching, uh, doing a lot of driving with my daughter, working on her license. Every street except for 6 and uh, Willow Creek seems to be 35 throughout this city. 35 seems slow sometimes. And so why not go a little faster? Because it's breaking the law. And that doesn't ever really seem to bother you, does it? And, and you know, a lot of it, well, well, everyone does it. And then there's always this one. I like this. Well, you know, if I go the speed limit, people will run me over. And we got all kinds of good reasons, acceptable reasons we have no problem with to go ahead and break the law. You know? And take a box of paper clips. How about one of those good Sharpie markers home from the office? I mean, they're not going to miss it. They got billions of them there. And it's theft. And we make excuse after excuse for breaking the law. Friends, you're a Christian. You trust in Christ. He's forgiven you of your sin. He's given you a new life. But day after day, we don't care. We do it. Day after day, we break the law. Hmm. Today in our study... You might have guessed we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. We're going to find that uh, Paul lays out an argument here, an irrefutable argument 
that we ought to be obeying the laws. We ought to be submitting to the government that we have. And suddenly, we're not that comfortable. And people are going, nope. (laughs) But let me just say this again. God, the Spirit of God, inspired Paul to write these words. And not just for the church at Rome, but for you and us here today. Remember when I said, buckle up? (laughs) It's time. But before we jump in, let's review where we've been. How about this? Remember that first key word? The key word in Romans in uh, chapters 1 to 3 was condemnation. Then we went to chapter 4 and 5, and the key word is justification. Remember, condemnation. We found that Paul made this argument, uh, you know, an irrefutable, backed in the corner. You're all guilty. You stand guilty before a holy God. You are condemned. Chapter 4 and 5, how do we get right with God? justification, imputed when God proclaims you righteous in response to faith and what Jesus has done. It is imputed righteousness. So we are saved by faith in Christ's death. Then we move to the next section, which is chapters 6 to 8. And remember, the key word there is sanctification. That is the process in which God is working on us from the inside out to transform our character, to transform how we live. And we move to chapters uh, 9 through 11. It almost seems like a bit of a parenthesis here when uh, it really is a transformation. Well, uh, wait a minute, you know, there was this uh, talk about security that when God saves us, He also secures us. What about Israel? What about that God? What are you doing with those people? In chapters 9 through 11, we find that uh, Paul is defending the righteousness of God and how he is dealing with Israel. And now we move to our last section, which is chapters 12 to 16. And the key word here is, of course, application. How do we live out all of this truth that Paul has laid out for us? And here we are in chapter 13 And the application we're looking in is, what is our relationship supposed to be like with others? You know, we understand better now our relationship with God, what separates us from God, what reconciles us back to God, what the goal God has in our life. But how do we live this out? How do we live it out? So today in our study, Paul lays out this argument that believers ought to obey their government because when you submit to the authorities, you are submitting to God. It's Paul's argument. He said, I don't believe it. Well, stay tuned. Here we go. All right? All right. So here we are. There are uh, two aspects, two areas of our life that Paul addresses in living out the Christian life in our world. I want to suggest to you, friends... I know you're watching a lot of this politics stuff, and uh, what, what did Donald Trump say now? You know, we like the guy because he's telling the truth, but he seems a little crazy, but we don't like the other guys. There's a lot of questions about what do we do with this government? What do we do with this world that we're living in? How do we live it out? And Paul's going to address this in two sections, two areas and in the first area, he, see, uh, he lays out here how we ought to live in light of human government. Living under a human government. And the key word, friends, 
is submit. Submit. It's, it's a close cousin to obey, friends. Take a look. Let's see what the, the Word of God says about how we live in light of, yes, even this government. Notice, uh, let's start in verse 1, because why would we start anywhere else here? It says to us very so clearly. And remember, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome. In this Roman Empire, it was Nero who reigned. It was Nero whom uh, Peter wrote to uh, uh, the, the, the churches uh, spread abroad. He said, you are going to face some fiery trials. And that word fiery wasn't just a metaphor, friends. It was literal. Nero would, they, they would, the, 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 he would arrest these Christians. He would cover them in, with pitch. He would tie them to poles throughout his garden and light them on fire at night simply because they put their faith in Christ. They weren't criminals. They didn't rob banks. They simply trusted Jesus. And because of their faith, they were persecuted and they were killed. These are the same people that Paul is writing to. And if you think the United States and where it has fallen is bad, friends, you know nothing about the Roman Empire here. This is the instruction he has for them. Let every person, not special people or the people who can't quite figure, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. There it is. He lays it out. And be like, I got questions about that. Yeah, but what if? So he, he lays out four reasons why we ought to submit to the government that we are under. Take a look, friends. I know there's a lot of skepticism in this room right now. Buckle up and listen up. Here it is, friends. Reason number one, why we ought to be uh, subject to the governing authorities while we ought to submit. Reason number one is this, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. God is the one that raises up a nation. God is the one that tears it away. You cannot read the Older Testament. I mean, just watching Israel. Israel is a guy. It's Abraham. I mean, he's not even really that good a guy. When he's scared, he tends to lie. But God calls him and says, I'm going to make a nation out of you. It was God's choice. Even in Egypt, you know, he says, uh, Moses, go on up uh, there to Pharaoh and tell him I want my people out here. And when it's all said and done, we, we find that God raised up Pharaoh, that he might show his glory, his strength, his power, his amazing glory. Facing all of these so-called gods that the Egyptians had, every one of those plagues showed that the Lord, Yahweh God, is the only true God. And so here we are living under human government. Let every person be sub. Yeah, but what if they're really bad? You mean like the Roman Empire, how they responded to Christians? Yeah, those people. And why? Why ought we to do that? Because God is the one who established this government. God ordains governments. Not always to be perfect and holy. We know uh, in the, the nation of Israel, we trace it through, we find the people of Israel, kind of like you and I, they are prone to wander and walk away from God. You know, we, we, we just follow it all the way to the the end of the Older Testament, and we find that God raises up the Assyrians. 
And these are bad dudes. These are people that when they conquer people, they bring them back, they cut the skin off their bodies and nail it up against the wall. These are bad people. God raised up the Assyrians to come and, uh, and, and take siege against uh, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. And then he raised up the Babylonians. These are bad people. And they came and they laid siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And they took them all captive and they took them out of the land. It was God that did this. Raising up nations. God is not a spectator. He doesn't sit on a bench somewhere and watch what's going on. God is the mover and the shaker. God raises them up and God tears them down. And we ought to be subject to the governing authorities. Because why? God is the source of authority. There is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Why? To accomplish His purposes. To bring about the end of His goal. And oh, by the way, if you resist the government, you are resisting God. Take a look. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Old Testament clearly lays it out. That God is the one who raises up governments for His purposes. An Old Testament illustrates it. But then he lays out a second reason. The reasons why you ought to submit yourself to the governing authorities. The second one is this. Governments restrain evil. They have a purpose. They have a purpose. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad I mean, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. If you don't speed, you don't have to worry about the lights behind you. You just get out of the way and let him go get that other guy. That's the principle there. Let's face it. Come on. Close your eyes. Imagine you're sitting behind the wheel. You're cruising down the highway. You got that station on, and there's no commercials right now, and And suddenly, in your rearview mirror, there are lights. What happened to your adrenal glands right there? Was it me? (laughs) Was I doing something? Your eyes go immediately to your speedometer. You're looking around. Is there anyone else doing something? And there is fear. And the only reason there is fear is because you practice breaking the law. You know you have in the past. You expect it could be you. You don't practice obedience. And that's why you fear It's true. It's true. Can I get an amen? It's true. It's true. And so God has established government, and one of the purposes of the governments that God established is to restrain evil. So do what is good, and you will receive his approval. And he gives us a third reason we ought to submit. Take a look here. It's because government avenges God's wrath. For he is God's servant for your good. Well, but if you do wrong, be afraid. Now, I want you to notice this here, friends, at verse 4. If you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. 
God has given governments the opportunity and the responsibility to punish evildoers. That's thus the, the reference to the sword. He does not bear the sword in vain. This, by the way, is part of a really excellent argument for, uh, for the death penalty. Certainly Genesis talks about it. But here we are in Romans. God has given the sword to a government to use it. Not to shake your finger, but to bring judgment on those who do evil. Why? The argument here? To restrain evil or to avenge God's wrath? But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God. The government, a servant of God. Well, he is certainly not Lord over God. God raises up nations, even at times wicked nations, to use them to bring about his purposes. Hmm. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, in light of this, which is true, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but for the sake of conscience. And for because of this, and by the way, every one of these arguments begins with the word for. Notice uh, um, uh, here in, uh, in verse uh, 3, for the rulers are not a terror, verse uh, 4, for he is God's servant. And then here in verse 6, for because of this, you also pay taxes. Now again, reviewing why these reasons Paul gives for us to submit to our government is the, at first, again, in verse 1, God establishes the government. In verse 3, God uses the government to restrain evil. In verse 6, government avenges God's wrath. And I'm sorry, verse 6, uh, the government is a minister of God, a servant of God. For because of this, you must also pay taxes. And one of the reasons you ought to be paying your taxes is to support the government that God has ordained and that God is using for His purposes. This is not a popular sermon, is it? Like, man, can we get back to some of that doctrine? This practical stuff isn't as much fun. And yet it is what God has called us to do. For because of this you also pay taxes. Why? For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. So... Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, and respect to whom respect is owed. Yeah, that's not that fun having that one in the Bible because there are political leaders out there we don't want to have respect for. We don't want to show honor to them. And yet, our God who sits on the throne, who is sovereign over every election in every nation, throughout all of history, has placed people where they are to accomplish his purposes. Do you remember the story of David and Goliath? Yeah, I know, you like the one on the hill. But let's move a little bit past that and talk about Saul. Saul was a bad dude. I mean, David had just uh, slew his enemy, had great victory for Israel, all because he trusted God. Saul was terrified to do that, and he was jealous of David. 
And as you read the story, you find Saul's doing everything he can do to kill David. And David's like, no, I want to serve you. You're God's chosen. And he honors him. Twice he has the opportunity to kill this guy who's doing everything to kill him. And David's like, who am I to put my hand against the Lord's anointed? I say, wow. David had honor for someone whom God had chosen to accomplish his purposes, even though this guy was bad. That's what God is calling us to do, is to be people of honor. Watch your words when you talk about leaders whom God has established. Now, that doesn't make them Christian. It doesn't make them uh, trustworthy or people of integrity. It just simply means that God has placed them where they are to accomplish His purposes. And the response of believers like you and I is to submit to these governments. So pay your taxes. Now, you know what, let's take a little commercial break. Let's go over here and just talk about what we're not talking about here, okay? Because some of you need to hear this. Some of you are getting all stressed and you need to calm down. (laughs) Three areas in which Christians should be resisting authority is this. You must disobey government under these circumstances. A, you don't like the speed. No, it doesn't say that, okay? That's not in my notes. It's not in the Bible. You are, when you are told to violate a command of God, you must disobey. You have to. Reading the book of Acts, you don't get very far when you find that the disciples now who are out preaching the gospel and are told not to, even under the, the threat of death, they say, choose for yourself this day. You, you need to figure out for yourself whom we should obey us for us. We're going to obey God rather than men. So when you are told to violate a command of God, you must disobey. How about this one? You are required to do an immoral act like steal or harm another person. When the word of God has... Now, the thing about government is rarely does it tell you you have to do something. Most of the regulations are about what you can't do. You know, we, we, we certainly disagree with abortion. We, we, we hate the murder of little babies, and that's what they are, my friends. The government does not command you to, give an, to have an abortion. We certainly ought to oppose what they are supporting, and we should certainly do what we can to avoid being a part of it. But rarely is the government telling things we have to do. It is telling us things we cannot. But if we do come to a point where we are required to do something immoral, contrary to what God has called us to do, we must disobey. If there is a homosexual couple that comes to my office and said we'd like to get married, I cannot be a part of that. I cannot. It is not that I don't want to. It is not that I want to. It is that I cannot. So even if the government comes and they want to put me in handcuffs and throw me in a hole, that's what I'm left with. These are not personal opinions. This is what the Word of God says. And where else am I to stand other than on a sure foundation, the Word of God? Same is true for you, my friends. Same is true for you. 
So you, you must resist the authority if you are told to violate a command of God. If you are required to do a moral act, and if, you, if obedience to the government will violate your conscience. And we're talking about your conscience on what the Word of God teaches. You can't violate your conscience, friends. You have to. But you know what? That does not mean you get to escape the consequences. It does not mean you get a free pass out of here. What it means is this, that for the glory of God, you endure the repercussions. We sang a song about Martin Luther today. I mean, he, was, he wrote it. It wasn't about him. It was about his God. It was his faith in his God and his understanding of his word that caused him to make a stand, even though they wanted to kill this guy. Because oftentimes, if you can't oppose the message, try and kill the messenger. And the first century Christians were required to go and offer a pinch of uh, incense and say, Caesar is Lord. No Christian could do that. There was no law that they, uh, you know, tried to pass that would get them out of that. They died doing what was right, and they did it for the glory of God, and God used these kinds of willful dying for the glory of their God to break the knees of Rome. Sometimes it is the blood of martyrs that bring down a nation. Don't try and go get killed. That's not what I'm teaching. Friends, if you're like, pastor wants us to die to change America, that ain't up to me, friends. That's up to the, the Spirit of God to lead you to make stands where the Spirit makes you I was standing on the edge out there listening to the worship, and, and the Spirit of God said, go out there and challenge those people. I'm like, no, they're singing right now. Long pause. Out we go. You've got to go where the Spirit of God calls you to go, my friends. Small places, little kind words, big things, big stands, wherever it is the Spirit of God calls you. Hmm. Well, we're done with that one. That's the one big area that's very, 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 very close to our minds and hearts right now in our country. The world is changing just like the Bible said it would. It was hard to believe, and now you see it. So, living under human government, the key word is submit. But living among depraved sinners, the key word is shine. The key word is shine. And then Paul gives us some, uh, some clear little practical uh, practices that we ought to have in our life. And the first one here, starting in verse 8, is to pay up. Pay up. Pay up. Pay what? Owe no one anything. Maybe something about debt, or maybe it's something about relationships. He says, owe no one anything except to love each other. And so the first instruction of pay up is to pay your debt of love. And remember, love is not good, kind feelings about someone. It is not, I enjoy being around someone. It means that you sacrifice something for the good of someone else. You sacrifice right, comfort, whatever it may be, for the good of someone else. That's what love looks like. Why? Why should we do that? There's that word for again. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. 
For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covenant, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10 tells us, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. You want to do what God wants for you? Love the people around you. Remember, Jesus said, love your enemy. I mean, there's no excuse now. (laughs) You know, love the people you like and love the people you don't. Love the people who stand against you. Respond to their cursing with blessing. It can't get any clearer than that, friends. God wants us to live differently. God has called us out of this world to be put back in this world to be different. That's how you become salt and light. Light is obviously different than darkness. Salt is greatly different than bland. Ever eat one of those pretzels? They get this store, Ben's Pretzels, I think, over in Meyer, and they're so good, but they're horrible without salt. It's the salt that makes it good. And if you shouldn't have salt, don't go to Ben's. Okay. Uh, Brought to you by that commercial message. All right. The first instruction is pay up. The second one is wake up. Look at the time. I mean, respond like you just realize what time it is. Oh, my goodness. I've got to get going. Do you know what that's like? You know, maybe you're laying in bed, you're reading a book, you're, and you look over at the time, and your adrenals go, boom, and that adrenaline shoots you, and you're, I've got to get out of here. Where are my keys? They're around here somewhere. And you went from peace to, whoa, I've got to act now, and that's what Paul's talking about. He says, wake up. I mean, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Boy, that's nice. That's nice. It is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So look at the time, friends. Wake up and get at it. The night is far gone, verse 12, and the day is at hand. The time to act is now. The time to, is, is, is over to, to put things off. You know, when I, get, when I get to a better place, when I finish this project, when I... Now. Now is the time. Now is not the time to start rescheduling. Now is the time to act. Again, I say to you, friends, you want to change your world? You want to change this country? You will have a far greater impact by living how God has called you to than by casting a single vote, by casting a hundred votes. Votes don't change a nation, friends. People do. Make a stand. Isn't it time? Don't wait for next November. Act now. So how do we live among depraved sinners? We shine. We pay up our debt of love. We wake up and get busy. We clean up. 12b, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That is the character of Christ, my friends. That is love. That is saying no to us and yes to others. That is returning cursings with blessings And that's not easy. 
And we know it. We, we got the flesh like, stop honking at me. I'm stopping at a stop sign. I'm sorry you wanted to cruise through it, you know? And then we get all animated. We return evil for evil. And how about, friends, we live like people of light. We get rid of this darkness in our life. I mean, really, write it down and say, God, help me with this. This has to go, God. Help me cast this off and help me put on this armor of light because the light is what this dark world needs. So pay up and wake up and clean up and then finally dress up. Verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You know what that means? You know those places you can sin in in private? Make sure you can't sin in private. Make some changes so when that temptation comes, it's a bad choice. Do whatever it takes to rearrange your schedule, to rearrange the people around you. Turn your computer screen around so others can see it. Whatever it takes, my friends. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. If you shouldn't be eating something, stop buying it. You need to exercise, go do it. I mean, whatever it is, friends, I know those are very, very natural things, but, but spiritually speaking, get the Word of God open. You say, it's hard because the print's so small. Get another version. Make it bigger. Look, boom. See, you can almost read it from here in one word at a time. Friends, do whatever it takes. And make no provision for the flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus. Live out that relationship. Today, I talk to Jesus. I talk to him about whatever's going on. And I see the beauty of the trees and how green they are. Have you noticed it, friends? Are you still watching the street? The evidence of God's glory is everywhere. The hand of creation, everything points to him. Talk to him about it. God, these are amazing. I know, you're like, it's a tree, Dave. Haven't you seen one of those before? Yeah, I have, but now I'm looking, and I see the handiwork of God. Put labels on things. This isn't just a computer. This is a way I prepare to serve God. This is a way that I serve others. Whatever it takes, but make no provision for the flesh. Live it out for him, my friends. Live it out. So how do we sum it up, friends? Obey God by submitting to the authorities he's put in your life. That's how you honor him. Rebellion is not something that points to God. Friends, we did not talk about the Revolutionary War. We, didn't, we talked about how God wants you to live on a daily basis. We didn't say this is how to escape a difficult life. We said this is how we honor God. This is how we honor him. And remember this, this is not just the always oh, done now, let me put my Bible away and get everything together. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. You are a citizen, that's where your citizenship lies, my friends. So you want to be a patriot? Preach the gospel. Live out the gospel. I mean, start looking from that perspective 
rather than the red, white, and blue. Friends, I don't hate America. That's not what we're talking about here. Don't say, he hates America. He likes Russia or something. Look, I'm telling you about Christianity. That's the kind of patriot we ought to be worried about right now. And I'll tell you, that's the way you're going to change this country. You're going to change the community. You're going to change families. Start living it out and giving it out. Our citizenship is in heaven. And I'll tell you what, friends, our faith in Christ ought to make us model citizens. We don't steal. We don't cheat. We don't lie. We are people of integrity who love the people around us. And the best thing you can do for your country is live out your faith. Live out your faith and share it with others. God help us.